One, two, three, four, five. You didn't say five. We don't need a five. Five's for jabronis. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no jabroni. (laughs) You specifically said count to five, so I counted to five. It was a test. (laughs) (laughs) See if you were a jabroni. Now I know. (laughs) Uh, So this is... This is All right. it. I, this is it. This is uh, the last episode, maybe, probably, of Crisis of Eight. The last episode that we are planning on making um, at this point in our lives. And so we came into this conversation with each having five predictions um, for the future of all of humanity, right? Um, yeah, that's right. Except I didn't do that. I didn't yeah, come either. with anything. I didn't come with anything <laughs> at all. Um, I tried a couple of times, and then ultimately, I was just like, you know what? For like two and a half years here, we have been really honest and gotten on. And usually, I haven't prepared anything, um, and it doesn't feel right to be prepared today either. So I'm going to piggyback on whatever you have. <laughs> okay. I have some predictions. All right. I have a list of uh, one-liners and jokes and things that I sure. never got a chance to use <laughs> that I'm going to make sure I use. And then uh, I also have just some crazy stuff going on well, in my world. You know, it's our very last episode ever. Our our The legacy that we're leaving on the world. You know, so yeah. why would you give a shit? Right. Why? <laughs> I mean, if anything, crisis of faith has been a process of getting me to a place in my faith where I don't really give a shit very much. <laughs> it's definitely gotten me to the point where it's like, well, whatever you believe, the stakes are not nearly as high as you once thought they were. We were going to do more episodes, but Anchor works kind of like Y2K. Just like after you hit 99... uh the world blows up. Yeah. Well, and we even numbered them that way. To where it's like now we're in our third digit. We we numbered with three digits. Yeah, right. Now that we're now that we're occupying that third digit space, we're we're done. I don't see how well we're not. We're gonna go oh nine nine. Yeah, right. Never have to put anything in that <laughs> in that hundreds place. Um I'm going to uh I'm going to Beckley for Christmas. Later today, actually, I have okay. my last. I have my last holiday season gig um, this evening, and then I'm hitting the road right after it, headed to Beckley before um, it freezes over. Yeah, you better hurry. I know it's uh, supposed to be like 40 degrees today, and one degree by 2 a.m. <laughs> it's dropping 40 degrees from like 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. That's a that's a 39 degree drop. That's a seems right. I don't know, um, but yeah, it's uh, so that's fun, and that kind of threw off things a little bit today. Today's my wife's birthday. Hey, um, yesterday so was my wife's birthday. I didn't know they had no way. They were birthday partners. We married married these ladies trying to steal the Lord's thunder. <laughs> Speak, speaking of the Lord's thunder, this is the first year that I have been actually offended by Christian Christmas stuff. 
Okay. Like it has bothered me this year. Like when people say happy holidays? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Bothered by the whole uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. Oh, okay. Okay. Stance. Like it, like it actually upsets me now for Jesus. Yeah. Like I'm getting offended for Jesus. Yeah. Um, on this. What subject. did it like, for you? What was the thing that uh, pushed you over well, the edge? The, well, the birthday. Um, that's one thing where it's kind of like, well, when is Jesus's actual birthday? Is it December? And the answer is, well, nobody fucking knows. Yeah. Uh, but any scholars who have tried to prove this and tried to find it would say probably not December. It doesn't seem like December. <laughs> um, and I find that problematic. I think that's a real, what a weird thing, right? What a weird thing for Christians to be really up in arms about is like, it's Jesus's birthday. And we're like, it's definitely probably not. <laughs> um, and if it were, this is, he didn't ask for any of this. You're going to do a Christmas tree and red cups and give presents to people and like all like that all seems I don't know it just really it really uh got my got my undies in a bundle <laughs> this year <laughs> huh. and I was back in an evangelical church very much so like yeah yeah they they did a like children singing happy birthday to Jesus and lighting cupcake candles and things um this past Sunday and it all was just I don't know. Plus Tim Allen, the Santa Clauses. Oh, yeah. Which I, which I think I may have talked... I can't remember if I talked about it in an episode, but... Uh, you told me about it, but I can't remember if it was on the air or not. Yeah, well, he... I mean, just... <clears throat> just a lot of a lot of strangeness. No, I didn't me. see that. I haven't... I haven't seen... Here's my true confession. I really like the Santa Claus, like the original number one. I don't know how many sequels they made or whatever, but... I liked one and two. They, I thought they were both great. I didn't see two. I don't think. Yeah, it's it's worth it. It's just as good as one. Um, and I agree with you. And I also was a huge Home Improvement fan. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is probably a show that should be canceled at this point. But I loved <laughs> it. Doesn't it hold up, up. I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. St- I I was a big. Um, what's up, Megan? Hi, Megan. Oh, she well, can't come hear get him. No one sees this. <laughs> I do. I see it. It's Megan's birthday. Happy birthday. He said happy birthday into my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, kind of a it's just kind of a bizarro experience for me this year just seeing like kind of being on the front end of people talking sincere like i think i just for for all the time the years that i ran my own church or that i was an employee at a you know on on staff at a church where i had a lot of confederates um and now for the first time being in a position where it's like every i think everyone here is on the same side on this conversation and they all are like offended that more people aren't celebrating Jesus's birthday that isn't Jesus's birthday and that has nothing to do with the Bible and nothing to do with scripture whatsoever nothing yeah. to do with the story that they're like tying it to right. whatsoever if yeah. anything i mean christmas exists as it exists in all the traditions that we enjoy because of pagan rituals that christians stole 
right? I mean, Christians came in. And sure. Said, I yeah. I do I like that. Let's make that ours. Let's make that Jesus's birthday. So here's the nerdy thing that I'll do and say: Yes, we stole a bunch of pagan rituals uh, that became part of Christmas. The date, December twenty fifth, does not come from uh, from any of that. It actually comes from. Um, an older tradition about Jesus's death day. Um, mm-hmm. The day of his death was marked in the earliest church calendars at March 25th. Um, and people thought it was really poetic for Jesus to have been conceived by the Holy Spirit and Mary on the same day that he died. So March 25th is, is the feast of the annunciation when the angel says, uh, and if you count forward nine months from March 25th, you have the birth. Huh. So th- that that was early. That was earlier even than a lot of... Um, but, you know, what happened is you have this huge, like, solstice and Saturnalia festival happening in Rome. Uh, and it gets con- on, on the 21st. Uh, and, of course, those things get conflated. Everybody celebrates the way they want to celebrate the winter holidays. and Yeah. But the date is actually, the date is Christian, even though it has nothing really to do with, like, when we actually think Jesus was born. And it's still, and it's still happening. It's still a matter of, like, we, we're going to celebrate the winter holiday how we want to celebrate the winter yeah, sure. holiday. Like, Christians. Even if it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Preacher, what's the future? Where is the whole thing headed now? Can you see the end? Will we all be friends and find a way to get along somehow? Preacher, it's been fun, but it's also been heavy and complicated. But it's over now. The house fell down and we're feeling pretty damn liberated. Yeah. A couple of observations have nothing to do with this. I'm just jumping subjects at this point. Probably just put a jingle there, I'm guessing. Um, My parents named my brother and I both after Bible sidekicks. (laughs) I'm Andrew, and he's Aaron. Yeah. And it just occurred to me recently that I was like, what a weird thing to do. Like, I don't know what they're... (laughs) Like, I know they pulled the names from the Bible, um, but it was just a fun little discovery. That. I just now learned that kid's name is Aaron. Oh, First yeah. time I knew that. Oh, what a good time for you to learn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Aaron, notoriously uh, Moses' sidekick. I don't know if he's his brother or son or nephew something or like slave that. or yeah. concubine, I, I, something like that. Um, but he's he's a sidekick. He's a second, second player. And Andrew, uh, the sidekick of Simon Peter. Kind of doesn't do much, just is usually also there. Um, and I thought that was cool. Um, don't tread on me flags. Are you familiar with these? The yellow yeah, flag with, sure. the, with the coiled the up snake. rattlesnake. Yeah. I just recently, like I saw one the other day uh, on a, a big ass truck that I was parking next to. And I That's saw where you it, find them. Yeah, typically. I saw it and I thought like, you know... This is really helpful. I just wanted to like, <laughs> I wanted to take a stand publicly and say, don't tread on me flags. 
might be the most useful flags that we have. No other flag. I mean, there are flags that communicate like some degree of hatred or very often just ignorance. It's like, I didn't mean it to be hateful. It's like, well, it is. Um, so, you know, Confederate flags, most people would say like, I'm not racist. That's not why I fly to fly because I like uh, whatever, NASCAR and, <laughs> and and Bill Dance and whatever. It's like, all right, well, maybe we should get a new flag for you guys with Toby <laughs> Keith and Bill Dance high-fiving on top of a, a big-ass truck. That'd be a great flag for the South. Um but anyways, usually flags don't communicate that much, but a don't tread on me flag really tells is, you a lot. Is, it tells you a lot and a lot of an information that's really helpful. It kind of is like, okay, thank you for warning me that you are a loose cannon asshat <laughs> and that <laughs> if I were to cross you in some way that you have weapons <laughs> that you would love to have an excuse to use. Um and in that way, it, it it really did seem like it's like a rattlesnake coiling up and shaking its shaking its tail feathers. Oh, that's poetic. Um, it is nice, isn't it's it? Signals like, it, it's, it's that never I'm dangerous. <laughs> it's never occurred to me as like, hey, guys, I, oof, I don't, you know, if you don't want to get hurt, then don't cross me because I will hurt you. I'm a, I'm a herder. Um, and it's like, that's good. It's good to know that you are. The symbol's I, so right on the nose. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Um, so apparently a lot of women, after they have children, um, tend to uh, pee more frequently than they would like to, just a little bit. Like, Okay. You know, if they start laughing too much, it's like, oh, no, I'm I'm going to pee myself, right? It's just a thing that happens. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's apparently a, a, an especially big deal um, to sneeze <laughs> after a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> There's always gone, almost always going to be some pee associated with, with sneezing yeah, sure. after a certain age. And that just occurred to me as a really amazing thing about the male versus female urethra. Because I'm quite certain that if I were to sneeze while peeing, my urethra would split open like a hot dog in a microwave. <laughs> I, know, I think it's amazing. I think a sneeze probably... I, I'm going to try this. I I think it probably shuts down a pee yeah i would think so that's what i'm thinking like if i like sneezed it would while peeing clamp up if there was any chance that i could sneeze while peeing i think it would just blast open my urethra mm. that's just a discovery i had yeah. um yeah definitely it's not a loosening experience for sure so i don't get it i don't understand right. how does how's a sneeze this is well documented. Boy, um, and opening things up this morning. <laughs> I have one more thing um, that I've been recently reflecting on. These aren't jokes, by the way. They were just observations yeah, and things sure. that I thought you might find interesting. Uh, I was reflecting on West Virginia medical advice mm-hmm. that I received growing up, and I was kind of curious if you had gotten similar advice. Um, I had really bad cystic acne, um, like acne. That I remember basically that basically acne that you're gonna have until you're probably around now that basically they always they were like maybe around the time you're 35 40 something like that it'll probably stop producing the amount of oil and stuff that's causing these problems for you but um so i was given instructions to wash my face rigorously with antibacterial soap like um (laughs) 
the cheapest, and he's he literally said like the cheapest white bar of antibacterial soap you can find. Wash your face two, three times a day with that. Just scrub it hard. <laughs> um, stop eating pizza. Okay. Sure. And dab your skin with alcohol before you go to bed at night. Like, like seventy percent that seventy yeah, percent alcohol yeah. stuff that you get. And da- yeah, <laughs> dab your skin with it. Uh, and I remember doing that, and it would burn so bad, and like, um, and then dry out for a little while, and whatever. Did you receive? In- Is this good medical advice? <laughs> Was this from a from a doctor? Can I? Can I go ahead and stop? Yeah, this is from a dermatologist. Yeah. Can I go ahead and stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're about to the age uh, where you'll start sneezing while you pee, and you your acne should clear up. And who knows what will happen? That's yeah. Well, I mean, so all of this happened around the time I, I ended up being uh, prescribed Accutane, um, which is apparently a a drug that lots of uh, teenagers took to deal with their acne and then drove cars into buildings and things like that. I don't know if you remember this in the news, but if you Google Accutane and the side effects, like some of them are like severe depression uh, bordering on psychosis. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to be monitored really closely um, for nine months. I took this for nine months. I had to have my my like liver levels and certain blood levels checked. Jesus Christ. um, Over over and over and over again and then I had to have like this list of psychological questions that I had to check the box on. It was like, have you thought about driving your car into a building (laughs) recently? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So none of this happened for you? You didn't get advice like this? I don't... I'm trying to think of any... Were you told to stop eating pizza? Well, I will say this. To dab the oil off of your pizza because it'll give you acne? (laughs) I had... I had warts on my hand when I was... Okay. this is probably before I met you, um, but like lots of warts on my hand, and I tried a couple of probably the same dermatologist you went to because he didn't do shit. Uh, <laughs> couldn't get rid of them. I remember warts being quite a thing in West Virginia. Yeah, and uh, yeah. somebody, some somebody somewhere said, "Why don't you put some garlic on it for twenty four hours?" So I like put minced garlic all over my hand and put a um, glove around it and taped it up 24 hours and then they fell off never came back really so that's crazy because i did um i i remember having warts a couple of times too and i was told to wrap them in duct tape that gwendolyn had the same advice and it did it work i did the same thing and it also worked yeah like it made it yeah so i don't know i mean i guess maybe if you wrap it up in anything (laughs) yeah i could have done without the garlic probably (laughs) (laughs) the glove did it (laughs) Uh, maybe that's all there is to it um um we we often talk about appalachian diagnoses you know like anybody anybody you know over a certain age has suffered from like dissolving shoulder or (laughs) like uh tumor the size of a coffee can (laughs) yeah Uh, these sorts of dis- things. Dissolving shoulder? <laughs> Corporal tunnel, of course, is a is a big one. Yep. That's a good one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I also had a um I had a skin graft done on my gum line like oh, wow. for before I could get braces. 
they said we need to do a procedure where we're going to like take uh I guess trigger warning for anybody who has like medical <laughs> doesn't like to hear this kind of thing. Um, what about going dentistry? To shave off um, meat from the roof of your mouth. Oof! And then open up a wound on the bottom, like your bottom teeth, and graft the meat from the top of your mouth to the gum line on the bottom to try to reinforce the strength of your bottom teeth. Do you have? much meat on the roof of your mouth i feel like that's oh, a pretty tons that's why I, that's why i'm a singer <laughs> i guess yeah even after the surgery you still have a lot oh yeah oh yeah i'm all um, bone up there i think well long long story short it didn't work uh i've been told <laughs> all my life it didn't work and huh. i even have like told dentists i was like i had a graft done on the bottom like these like if i went to a hygienist or something they're like so it's it's still really sensitive it's whatever and they're like yeah well i see what they tried to do and it didn't work uh <laughs> it didn't do anything <laughs> so yeah we'll we'll be careful about that and you may want to look at getting that graft done again at some point in your life um and then i'm like oh yeah i bet you would like that wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> um and whenever i had that done though when i had the skin graft done I remember coming out of surgery, um, being a little loopy, and then I was handed a bottle of Loratab. I was uh, 16 or 17 years old. Handed a bottle of Loratab with basically no instructions except, you know, take as much as you need. Uh, They didn't tell me not to drive, and I did. I took it, drove to work. And I was at work for like 45 minutes before I was like, I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to go home. Like, I I was like doing, I, I worked in a, a uh, medical records. Like, I would just file charts and stuff. And I couldn't get the alphabet right in my head. And I, <laughs> like, it was really confusing. And I felt sick to my stomach and like dizzy and all that. And uh, went and my dad was my boss there. And I told him and he was like, yeah, you better go on home. So I got in my car and drove home <laughs> high on Loratab, like high out of my mind on Loratab, um, back home to where the entire bottle was. Uh, and I just felt like, I, just all the way around, these just seem like things that shouldn't happen. Uh, <laughs> these these seem like these seem like medical uh, medical stories that would end up in the news today. <laughs> Well, this is shaping up to be a great last episode. I'll say yeah. That. Well, I wanted to talk this about dentistry important. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk on... Um, what is it that we usually talk about here? Uh, Jesus? What kind of stuff is it that you're always on about? I don't know. Things about... You have Bible some predictions. I do. I wrote down some predictions. Five. Five predictions. Me too. What I this is not about. Um, we normally do at the end of every year. We do a, an episode of predictions about the coming year. So these are not predictions about twenty twenty three necessarily. These are predictions just about the future. The end of days. The end of days. The last things. Oh, that's this is it's good. This is our our last episode. It's our eschatology episode oh yeah that makes sense yeah this is our book of revelation yeah that's right 
So I, I have a prediction about you, Drew, and one about me, and one about the podcast, and one about all of these fine folks and so forth. I have predictions about all of those things as well. That's great. I don't okay. know what they are quite yet. So <laughs> I'll come to you. Um, the first one is about you, because a lot of people uh, have been listening to your story here, and you know you got this kind of like will they won't they thing with the church and that's exhausting mm-hmm. and there's <laughs> you're getting a degree in counseling it's like what is he gonna what's happening here what's what's gonna happen um and i think you're probably not gonna stick it out with the church i think not because you don't want to use age out of the hip music guy at some mm-hmm. point worship leader um but here's what I, I think is going to happen. I don't know. You know, the counseling thing, hopefully that works out for you, I guess. But I think before you really make it as a counselor, some, like, hot shot marketing mogul uh, is going to start deconstructing. And they are going to stumble upon this podcast, upon Crisis of Faith, and you, Drew, will be discovered as... A jingle writer. That's the dream. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> That's what I got into this for to begin with as a musician. I've never said it publicly, <laughs> but all I really ever wanted was the chicks <laughs> and a chance to write <laughs> catchy, funky little jingles <laughs> for, for a deconstructing marketing mogul. <laughs> I think, you know, while we're here, I think you're right on on a few things. I suspect my relationship with the church, well, my my relationship with evangelicalism isn't going to last much longer. I'm still on the fence about what will happen with me and the church. Like there is still there's still a community, there's a church in the Richmond area that I kick around every once in a while like I you know I could just give it all up and go and be one of them um and they're like I don't know just very open about a lot of things like they're not unitarian universalists um they're they're christians they're um sort of mainline protestant type christians but also with a really really loose handle on things I I see myself possibly getting into that um, but also, you know, when I stop to ask why though, then I struggle yeah. with like, then I, then I, then I partially identify with you where I'm like, yeah, Would if you get out of pay- bed, if there's no paycheck, if nobody's involved. paying me to do that, um, <clears throat> then I don't think I probably would. Um, and it's not just about the money. I mean, you want to do things that you're good at. You want everybody, but I would just encourage anybody to think about your job in that way. Like this is my job in some way. That doesn't mean I don't love it. Doesn't mean I don't like it. Doesn't mean I haven't found something really cool about it over the years. But if anybody said to you, do you love your job? You're like, yeah. Do you love it enough to do it if they stopped paying you to do it? Like, well, no. I mean, that's those are two very, very different questions. Yeah, right. Um, and so if I get kicked out for not being cool enough, if my hair starts falling out a little more, whatever, whatever it is, it's keeping me in. If I start peeing when I sneeze. <laughs> um <laughs> Then yeah, I think I, I might have to 
revert to jingle writing. My true I, passion. I think it's going to happen for you, man. I really <laughs> do. So that's two, right? That's two predictions? That was your, <laughs> yours and mine. Yeah. Okay, but I think that you need to go first on uh, making a prediction about me. Okay. <laughs> Here goes. Uh, what I think is going to come of Dr. Joseph Smith... I think you're going to write that book. Yeah. The Crisis of Faith, the podcast to the book. Um, <laughs> um, that's the title, by the way. Yeah, except of the audio book, then it's Crisis of Faith, the podcast, the book, the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I think you're going to power through that. I think you and I are, are probably going to come back around to that. Um, I think it's going to take shape in a way that um that we that we discover that the whole point of this podcast all along was to get that down yeah. um and uh I do see that I see you as a spiritual what is the name of the thing that you do spiritual directing yeah mhm you're a spiritual director I see you um building quite a practice as a spiritual director I think people are going to be and we've made jokes about it on this show quite a few times that you're a spiritual director who's also an atheist uh <laughs> and who you work in a church and you're a professor of like theology um and religion uh who's an atheist i think that that particular s aspect of your spiritual directing is going to make it very appealing yeah. Um, to a lot of people. I think what we're going to discover is how many people would like to have a spiritual director who has no interest in proselytizing <laughs> and no interest in conversion. Uh, and so uh, I see that becoming more of a focus of your future than academic work, I think. But Yeah. Well, okay. I'll just say this. I, I actually wrote down... Drew didn't write shit, but I wrote down four predictions we were supposed to do five and i wrote down four i didn't write a prediction for myself because i like the rest of them are kind of silly and and playful and whatever um <clears throat> but it's hard to like make a prediction about yourself because you kind of know where things are going or whatever um or you have no idea but that like we haven't really talked about that but that does seem right to me um especially recently i i now have i have not like I do I am officially licensed as a as a business now um and like starting to put things together and build some website content and so forth but I haven't put it out yet like I have not said to anyone outside of just like to you and whoever's listening to the podcast I am a spiritual director like I'm seeking clients I I haven't said that and I have been picking up clients <laughs> like people have been yeah. coming to me saying like hey let's do this and that's really unexpected. Um, I also had like, you know, uh, one of our m more recent episodes in the last couple of episodes, we were talking about, Oh, it was when we wrote our letters and we were talking about kind of our experience of this podcast. And I said, one of the things, or one of the things maybe you noted that was like different from our experiences. I had people writing me emails and stuff every week saying like let's talk about let's process some of the stuff that's on your podcast 
and I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, part a big part of that is the way that we marketed. You were just much more reserved about sharing this mm-hmm. than I was. So there were people that I knew already, you know, or had some connection with, um, who knew about the podcast, but like Megan, our friend Megan texted me and said, I, I think there's a reason that people are contacting you to talk about this stuff. Um, yep. and, it, uh, so I'm, I'm was unsure about my role as a spiritual director for a long time. Like, is this something that I want to pursue? Does this actually make sense to me for me? And recently it feels like I've been having a lot of confirmation that like, yeah, this is, I could, I could see myself doing this. So that's cool. Yep. And it has been like, I, I do think that's a, I don't think it's any, like, this is not new to people who have listened, especially anybody who's listened from the very start, that you and I were in different places in our journey. Not that everybody kind of gets the same trajectory and the same story just on different timelines, um, but I do think that that's partially true, um, that you were further along in the process. You were at a place where if I started this podcast today, I would be very conscious of the idea that I'm going to make it public to every I'm going to tell everybody in my life all the time this is a podcast I'm doing Um, at the time that we started it I did not feel comfortable doing that I felt like this was an opportunity for me to say some things semi-publicly you know publicly to strangers yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh, and you were at a place where you were ready to to say to your come out world yeah um and uh well congrats on all the success of both of us <laughs> so here's a <clears throat> here's a prediction i've already made this prediction on the podcast before uh but this is where i think we we spend so much time on here talking about evangelicalism the state of evangelicalism and i made a prediction like this um last year when we were making our predictions for 2022 and at the time I said, I've been watching really closely this kind of minute story about David Platt and his church and some political uh, upheaval they were having there about, um, I don't know, ordaining some new elders and uh, there was some racial tension involved and all that. Uh, and I, I was watching that story and saying, like, whatever happens with this church, not not that it does something, but it just it's a marker it just shows yep. us like where is evangelicalism going and i i really i think that's true and i i think i have continued to see signs of this um so i actually feel rosy about evangelicalism right now i i mean i'm never going to be an evangelical again it's i'm yeah. out of i'm out of that world even if it were even if i agreed with stuff that evangelicalism was doing which i don't see myself ever agreeing with it like i just i'm sociologically not in that community anymore. But um, I think that we will see evangelicalism in the next 10 to 20 years uh, shifting toward the center on particularly on questions of race, but also on questions of like sexuality um, and, and gender and stuff like that. Uh, and on political things like capital punishment, gun control, and all that stuff. I think we'll see evangelicalism shifting toward the center. And I think that we'll see the the MAGA people and the 
uh, like really hardline Christian nationalist people, um, not that they will think of themselves as less religious, but that we as like society, American society will not think of them as primarily a religious body. We'll start to think of that as a political movement. Um, the way that like, people in the KKK today still think of themselves as very religious. Like that's a religious movement. It started in the church. Um, but, but we don't they, think that. Yeah. We don't think of them as a religious people. We think of that as a like crazy fringe political movement that happens to have some religious sensibilities. But I think that's, that's how we'll see hardline Christian nationalist MAGA people more and more um, as a, as not, connected to religion and the evangelicalism as a whole will shift toward the center. I think that's a very hopeful, um, a very hopeful thought. Um, and I, I want to agree. I want to say, I want to say, I think that's what's going to happen too. I I'm curious how it will look, how it will actually play out. Like will evangelicalism continue to be, an identity marker for a lot of people as it becomes more centric or will it just sort of become less like if it's not kind of extreme in certain, in certain areas, then what is it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So is, is it even a useful label anymore? Um, If it doesn't tell you, you know, that I probably have a gun, I probably, you know, most of my people are white. Um, I probably don't care much for LGBTQ rights. Um, like, if it doesn't do any of that, then what purpose does it serve? Um, because as we've talked about a lot on the podcast, like, evangelicalism is not, and this is not me doing a hot take controversial thing, it's just a reality that they haven't noticed yet. It's not a Jesus thing. It's not a Christian thing. The The circles that contain the things that mark someone as an evangelical and the circles that contain the things that I would say mark someone as a follower of the teachings of Jesus Christ of Nazareth are separate circles. Yeah. They're not the same thing. They don't talk about Jesus, the teachings of Jesus in evangelical churches, ever. It doesn't come up. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how that will play out. I think you're right um, as far as the way that this plays out sociologically. I'm curious about the labels and whether it will still be considered evangelical once it becomes a centric, um, yeah, something else kind of movement. I'm also really... Well, it might just um, be like, it, it might just become much more boring, right? Like, what does it tell you if somebody says that they're a Presbyterian? Fucking nothing. They have probably yeah. more money than than you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's in in general. I th- I think you're right. I think it that is true. I'm wondering like as it becomes that. I mean, I would also encourage you to consider it like as a follow up question to that for anyone listening who's like, what do you think whenever you hear that it's someone's a Presbyterian? You think those things. Also, name five Presbyterians. You're like, I don't know five <laughs> Presbyterians. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not really a. Um, it's kind of dying out as even having value in society. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you Presbyterianism <laughs> just, <laughs> hot take hot take um, I uh, I think th- this is kind of piggybacks on something I, I may have said in the previous episode or, or a couple of episodes ago that the 
the sort of colonization element of evangelicalism, like the idea that evangelicalism really thrives in um, lower income and and generally lower educate educated um, parts of the country and areas like you know the whole notion that if you're born in North Carolina and raised in evangelicalism and then you move to LA you're probably not going to be an evangelical anymore and everybody in your hometown knows that right and when you come back home they're gonna be like oh California looks bad on you it's like well if my faith can't survive a trip to California, <laughs> then what is it? Yeah. Um, and I, I think so. So to some extent, the amount of information available to people, I, I think even what we started this out talking about Christmas, like if people started to realize the truth about things like this as as kids have more information readily available to them as they're able to search things out for themselves and, and are more inclined to do so um, and have more sources of information coming through them. And you don't have to go to California anymore. California comes straight to your phone. Right. Um, you know, on average seven to eight hours a day for teenagers and and 20-somethings. It's like, all right, well, it's kind of over. Um, yeah. If yeah. this If the things that you're teaching can't survive other information or the infiltration of another culture, then it can't survive period. Yeah. It's over. Right. Um, and that's, you know, long story short, I don't know that that's necessarily true of you, but it's certainly true of me that like what I was taught as an evangelical couldn't survive the education of the world. Yeah. Like when I stepped out into the world, it didn't work anymore. When I left Southern West Virginia and met Catholic people who seemed more concerned with Jesus than my, you know, charismatic Pentecostal people. And I was told that wasn't true. Like that's immediately I'm thinking, well, wait, are Catholic people, Jesus people too. And then you meet <laughs> and then you discover that there are Democrats who are Christians. Just like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. That's <laughs> like it, it, the whole thing just starts to unravel as you open your eyes up to it. Well, it is what uh, they always warned us. Like it's why so many evangelicals go to Christian colleges, right? And why right. there's so much scare tactic about college. Like, I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence that what's that movie? God is not dead is set in a college with a philosophy professor or whatever he is trying to like, m- turn his students into atheists. This has never happened in the history of college, but you would think so. If you grew up in an evangelical church, you would think that that's right. all college is, is a bunch of atheist professors trying to turn their students. Um, and and when you think about the, colon, the, the colonization element, you realize what this is actually telling us about evangelicalism in these places. It's like, don't go off there and listen to those educated people. Yeah. Don't let them tell you that these things that we told you aren't true. Don't let them science their way out of like, <laughs> like don't listen to science yeah. is still a pretty normal rallying cry of even the church that I'm with. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. You know, not in those words exactly, but essentially that it's still these scientists out here are still trying to prove there's no God. It's like, I, no, no, they're not. No, no scientist is interested in that. Most scientists couldn't care less if you believe in God or not. They're just trying to go back as far as they can. <laughs> they're just trying to answer as many questions as they can yeah. or pose as many questions as they can. That's what they're doing, and that's the thing that's the most alarming to you. Six down. All right.
Um, what's next here? I have oh uh, a prediction about this podcast, Crisis of Faith. I oh mean, yeah, that's what that was my next one too. Yeah. <laughs> This is our, our last episode, but it's still going to be up on the internet somewhere. So, like, what's going to happen? Um, I think this this doesn't feel like something that happened to me in the Yanni chamber. Like, I don't, I'm not sure about this story. This is just, uh, what, like a a possible, this is a possible future. This is the way something could go. So... I, it's possible that this podcast will live in relative obscurity. You know, uh, nobody's really, all of our listeners have kind of finished the show with us and gone on to other things. And um, so it'll live on the internet in relative obscurity until we publish our book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the book will obviously become a bestseller right away. Uh and then I think what what would happen if the podcast people you know read the book and then started going to the podcast and it got picked up by Pure Flix and made into a movie about the dangers of deconstruction, a uh, movie starring Chris Pratt and Kirk Cameron as Joe. Oh, Drew. dibs on being Chris Pratt! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I get to be Star Lord. And you get to be what is it? Different strokes? I don't know what is. What was Kirk Cameron? Fam- family ties, family <laughs> growing pains. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> You're in growing pains. I'm guarding the galaxy. Uh yeah. That's uh, I think that is a really interesting. Um, it, it is a really interesting thought that the book. Yeah, Crisis of Faith, the podcast, the book, um, would indeed point people back to the podcast and create this. I also would be, I, I am so proud of this podcast in its full context. I've said that multiple times now yeah. where it's like, I anybody who, please read my book first. And then you can go and listen to me working through shit. Um on a phone call with with an old friend like you can yeah. hear all of that fine i need i need you to know where i landed on some things i need you to know like the things that i the things that i would actually communicate publicly if i were trying to decide what i'm going to communicate publicly if i'm just making a 100 hours of conversation i might say some things that would get edited out <laughs> in other formats um but it's a really interesting thought to think i don't know that would be very valuable to me if somebody handed me a book and I read it and I thought these are some really good ideas and some really big ideas and some really helpful stuff to process. And then I discovered that the two people who made the book also sang jingles about the book (laughs) and talked about dentistry, which is probably going to be a chapter in the book anyways, but like made fun of each other and made fun of other people and like had these, you know, if I could say, we wrote this book after we went through this thing, and also we recorded the thing while it was happening. Um, I'm interested. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. I might go back and listen myself. Uh, so we, that was my uh, eighth. That was my yep. eighth prediction. We ready for the <laughs> last last two? I have, yeah, let's talk about them. My last one is a prediction about Christians, the listeners to this podcast. And it's, 
you know, this is hard because Christians are not a monolith, right? I mean, people who listen to this show are all over the fucking map about, like, I mean, I'm just thinking of people that I happen to know who are, like, devoted Christian, like, devoted evangelical Christians and uh, nominal Catholics and practicing pagans and, and Wiccans and atheists with no religious background and, like, just all over the map. So, you know, it's hard to say anything about whatever. But I think for the most part, most of the people who who listen to Crisis Faith are like us, right? I mean, they have backgrounds that are like ours, and they kind of have the same questions and the same struggles. Because why else would you listen? It's not like we have anything much interesting to say if yeah. you're if you're not there. Um, and so here's what I think, and this is just maybe this is a little bit like I I can see in the future because I've been there. <laughs> Because uh, it's like this is where I'm starting to go myself, and I can see it happening. So I I think that in 2023 and beyond, the people who kind of were following us and have been been going through this crisis of faith journey with us, that they're gonna find their crisis, which has been like for it's been really painful. Like for us, it's been painful parts some of the time and scary that's a big the big emotion for me was fear it's been really frightening a lot of the time and like and we've talked to so many people who have been just so angry and so upset and so afraid and so hurt and all of that of course like is all super legit um i think in 2023 and 2024 and in the coming years a lot of those folks who who are listeners to this podcast are going to start to see their crisis of faith journey as more fun. Mm. Like they're going to pass through the pain and you know, who knows that could go in all kinds of ways. It might be like, okay, now I'm able to go and do some of these stupid Christian holiday traditions that used to be so triggering to me. And now like I've passed through the trigger and they're fun again, or Maybe maybe you start to open up to, like, all right, I'm going to try being Buddhist for a little bit and just have a little fun with it. Like, figure this out. Or I'm going to try... Um, Those Buddhists you, are always having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, Buddhists known for their, <laughs> for their laughs. Um, you know, maybe I'm going to start using crystals or maybe I, whatever. Like, I'm just going to play play around, be experimental, uh, maybe you don't want to do anything religious and that's, and you just find the freedom of that fun. I don't know, but I just feel like a I'll lot throw of in there something that seems to seems to be a lot for a lot of people. It just depends on wiring, but, um, you're going to experiment with drugs. You might experiment with drugs for the first and, time and in your fun. life. You're going to be a grown up and saying like, I never did this as a kid and I never, and now I'm going to do it as a grown up. and yep. that's going to happen. That's happening. That, I, I hear sure. that from, yeah, every, I think I told you this here recently that we just have been slowly discovering that all of our ki- all of our kids' parents. Um, Wait, all of your the, the isn't parent, that just the, you and Megan? The parents of all of the children that my children are friends with. Okay, all right. Yeah, school school parents. Yeah. Um, well, not all. Well, multiple of them are <clears throat> deconstructing evangelicals. Um, 
that's very secretive about it. Super common uh, demographic. Just, yeah, it's just like it's just it's just, but it's coming up more and more. And and even those who aren't are very interested as they as they learn anything about us, they have lots and lots of questions. Yeah. Um. But a a really common thread of all of them is like, yeah, we didn't drink until we were thirty. Yep. We never tried weed until we were like, you know, thirty three. <laughs> it's like a few years after we started drinking. We never. Um, like almost every person I've met has said that's that's part of it, and most of them are like, yeah, and it's pretty fun. I see why people would do that, and then it doesn't like become a very big part of our lives necessarily. It was just like, huh, now I know. Like it's I just probably anything done- like the, if you're sheltered from, you know, traditions where you don't dance, right? Yeah. Like or watch R-rated movies. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, that's a great prediction. So I see you fun. More, I see more fun details? in the future. No, yeah. that's it. I, I I think that's whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's experimenting with the things that you were sheltered from, or maybe it's playful, like religious exploration. I I don't know. It could look like all kinds of things, but I I just see fun in in the future of your crisis of faith experiment. Isn't it interesting that I wanted to start this podcast to talk about hell? Yeah, like I legitimately the most important thing to me on the map was I have to deconstruct this for myself Mm -hmm. and for anybody else. I have to deconstruct the notion that everything in this life is just some sort of secret trap test to see if you will fail and God will punish you for it. See if you're a jabroni. See if, find out if you're a jabroni or not. Um, (laughs) That's who goes to hell? Jabronis. (laughs) Read your Bibles, people. <laughs> that's that's what is meant by <laughs> what is it? Liars, thieves, jabronis. Um, and for us to see fit to sort of end the whole thing in in this place of like, I think as you deconstruct more and more of what you were handed um, as a evangelical person, as a young Christian evangelical person. You're going to want to enjoy life more. You're going to want to look around and say, I think it's probably okay for me to have a little fun Yeah. here. I think it's probably okay for me to, like, calm down um, and just be with it for a minute. I mean, my son just walked in the room. Sup, dude? Sup, dude? Jesus. You can I just unplugged my headphones. Oh, look at that. Jesus actually said, I'm not trying to be profound or funny here. I'm just saying Jesus actually said once in scripture uh, that if you really want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like, you should pay closer attention to children. (laughs) Like you should actually ask, like, what do you think it's like? And I think as we discover that, like their answer to that is so much more fun. Yeah. Like they don't get like that's just bad advice if Jesus doesn't mean to actually do it. If Mac is not worried, my son is not worried about going to hell whenever he dies and all he wants to do is have fun and play video games and fight with me and like he came in here to fight me. I'm certain <laughs> of it. I'm on the floor and you know like you had little yeah, boys you get on the floor. if you're on the floor then they assume you're Those there words. for a fight. And that's partially my fault because every time I've gotten on the floor it's to Oh yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I think there's something to all of that. I, I think you're you're on to something. Do we need to go? <laughs> well, hey gang, it's been fun. Thanks for thanks for listening. What's the future? Where is the whole thing headed now? Can you see the end? Will we all be friends and find a way to get along somehow? Preacher, it's been fun, but it's also been heavy and complicated. But it's over now. The house fell down and we're feeling pretty damn liberated.